adult Sunday school, the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your Word. Father, thank you for how you have given it in the various means and manners, how we can trust it, that it is not just a leap of faith. It is not just us deciding to believe it because it seems to work or it has worked, but, Father, to believe it as it is, authoritative, perfect, necessary, sufficient for us, for your church, for all generations. We pray, Lord, that um, you would instill in us uh, a great sense of faith and assurance that when your word speaks, and it speaks even against what we feel or even against what we have experienced or it seems to contradict what we've seen in the lives of others, that, Father, you would give us faith to believe it, to know where we are in this grand scheme, to look back and with great anticipation to look forward and to live as people of faith, believing in what is unseen at times. We ask this in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. Uh, so the lesson this morning, the doctrine of the Word of God. Now it's interesting, in um, Scottish Presbyterianism and in kind of post-Reformation theological studies, catechism was taught first. So you would get the the languages, um, the Greek and the Hebrew, and then you would study catechism. And and then, and only then, would they open the Word to you. And you would start studying the Word in light of the categories of understanding it. Um, And so the, the, the point behind that is we don't, as Carl Truman says, we don't put a Bible in the hands, if we put a Bible in the hands of an idiot, we get idiot sermons. <laughs> and so we don't, in some sense, flood the world like the Gideons do, like give, give Bibles and we've done our job, right? I would always joke with the Gideons when they would give out the New Testaments to the graduates. And I would say, here you go, graduate, a third of the Bible. I'm giving you just a third of the Bible because the other part's way too much. This is all you need, just a third. Here you go. Um, so uh, the, the, the Word of God, what that, what that means, um, again, in our culture, when we hear people say, God told me this or God told me that. I don't know why this didn't happen because God told me it would. Um, what do we mean by the Word of God? So I think in your notes, I might have printed out Isaiah 40. Uh, I use verse 8 almost always after I read the sermon text. A voice says, cry, and I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. What an amazing statement. God's word will stand. Not just be preserved, not just be known, but it, it stands in some sense of authority. When we talk about canon, we'll talk about a rule or a measuring rod. Does it, does it measure up? We'll do that uh, after spring break. We'll talk a bit about canonicity in the Old Testament and the New Testament. and How do we know which books belong and which don't belong and why were they brought in? 
and all of that. But but the word of God, this promise is that his word will stand forever. So we hear that term all the time. Did I print Hebrews 4 in your notes? Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. Um, Hebrews has a whole set of great verses to memorize. If you're ever thinking, you know, 2023, I'd like to add some scripture memory. I can give you a whole set from Hebrews. This is one of them. The word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. There it speaks of the word as a living thing, as a, even as a person. Um, why is it important? We've already talked about that. Our whole authority, structure, and belief arise from the Word of God. And um, we all listen to a Word. And so you'll hear me talk about that at times. What is speaking to you? What is speaking truth to you? My wife Tammy will tell you there's words from her earthly father that still affect her. The way she thinks, the way she reacts. Those, those words have, have, have impressed some form of truth, some form of value. In Christian terms, we call it a form of righteousness. Um, and you know, those of us who are parents, we get so concerned when we're raising our kids. Like, what are we putting into them? I just spent uh, the, the weekend, last weekend, with my grandson. You know? And so it's, he's crying. I don't want him to think I've abandoned him. Uh, he's eight months old, and, and already you're just like, what, what am I... What am I sending into him? The word of God needs to be, and we need to discipline ourselves. The word of God, what God says, has got to be the most important voice. And, and, and when the evil one, or when peers, or when parents, or spouses, or children, when they speak truth to you, you have to take it in light of the word of God. It's got to be the overarching the overarching litmus that you put everything else through. Uh, in our ordination of elders or licentients, um, speaking of which, May 2nd, I think our very own Jake is going to be on the floor of Presbytery doing his licensure exams. Um, May 2nd at Shangri-La. So um, I'll let you know. He's taking a couple of the tests. Thursday, Friday. So if you think about it, pray for Jake. I overlooked the Bible content exam. It's tough. It's the hardest of the exams. And you know why? Because it needs to be. If we license someone and say, You're, you are now uh, uh, licensed to preach sermons in the Presbyterian Church in America, we as an authoritative uh, organization should say, that guy knows his Bible. Um, so here's here's one of the here's one of the questions. This is one of the um, um, vows. Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments as originally given to be the inerrant Word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice? So um, any of our elders and deacons, anybody who's licensed or ordained in the Presbyterian Church in America has to answer that question in the affirmative. Yes, I do. I do believe 
that the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, as originally given, to be the inerrant word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice. So, um, what do we mean by the word of God? Well, um, even before we get to that, I want to talk about the three eyes. We'll spend more time on these three eyes in the coming weeks, but uh, you can talk about the three eyes of Scripture. Scripture is inspired. So Scripture is inspired by God. Um, can, can someone look up Second Peter one twenty one? I want to discipline myself to say two Peter because then I sound like I'm from Britain, and the British theologians are always right. Two Peter one twenty one. Second Peter one twenty one. Who's got it? Chef, you got it. Read it out loud. No prophecy ever. Say that again, the very first part. That's super, super important. Uh, Peter is talking about, he's actually referring to some of Paul's letters, but all of Scripture in general, saying that, that it wasn't like Paul's idea. I need to conjure up something because these people morally are, are corrupt. Uh, I need to conjure up something. The, the authors of Scripture, when we talk about the authors of Scripture, they knew they were not writing something of their own doing. It was not an original thought to them. It was inspired by God. 2 Timothy 3, I might have that in your notes. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Um, this is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, giving him instructions of how to run the churches that have been planted. says, just remember this, that all Scripture is breathed out by God. Beautiful word. Theopneustos, God breathed. One word, God breathed. The breath of God goes in, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So when we talk about inspired, breathed out, um, it doesn't mean that there is no human instrumentality. So God uh, would use uh, men revealing his word, um, empowered them to receive this truth, and protected them as they wrote it so they could give us exactly what he wanted us to have. Um, and, and it's been a, a bit of controversy throughout church history. Um, uh, there's not been a lot of detail about this process. Um, so sometimes people might talk about it almost as if the person was possessed and it, you know they didn't know what they were writing. That, that does not seem to make sense because there is, there is a flavor and verbiage that are similar uh, as they write. Um, and so not, not necessarily by dictation. We'll, we'll talk about it. God does dictate his word, um, but that's not necessarily what inspiration means. The second I is infallibility, and that means that God's word is not capable of teaching any error. What God's word speaks to it speaks to with perfection. Um, Psalm 12, verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. The third eye is inerrant. 
kind of flows out of the other two, doesn't it? Um, if it is infallible, if it has been inspired by God, uh, then it should be without error. When we talk about inerrancy, um, we, we are not talking about the King James Version. So you'll see some churches that have signs standing on the KJV. Um, part of the reason that some churches will do that is because of some of the lax translations that have come out since the King James Version. And so there was that sense, I think, among some churches that once, once the King James Version, that, that was done by people who believed in God and, and trusted his word. Um, but, but the King James Version is a interpretation. It is a translation of the word of God. Do you know that Muslims, uh, I, think, I think all Muslims, um, hold to the fact that you can't read the Quran in English. Like it is an untranslatable document. That in translating it to any other language, you lose the meaning. Um, so like I said, when, when uh, students in seminary, they start with the original languages. Um, and, and then they, they go to the translations. So when we say inerrant, we use the term original autograph. And what that means is as, as the writer was penning the words of Scripture, that that was inerrant. Now what we have is tons and tons of copies. And um, uh, when we talk about, we'll talk about inerrancy in, in upcoming weeks, I'll bring you my Bibles, my Hebrew, my Greek Bibles, and you can look at it. You can see um, where there's any kind of a variant reading. Um, it's, it's a great thing to study, but basically what we're saying is the original manuscripts were without error. So the Word of God. <coughs> the Word of God is described as a person. <coughs> um, Jesus Christ is called the Living Word. In John 1 through 5, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was nothing made that has been made. In him was life. The life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. Get down to verse 14 in John 1. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father full of grace. So the word uh, described as Jesus, he is the embodiment of the word. And so you've heard me say that before, that there's nothing in Jesus that is ungodlike. And uh, to understand what it looks to live according to the word of God, we look at the life of Jesus. He's called the word of God in Revelation 19. Uh, he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the word of God. So amongst the members of the Trinity, it appears that the Son, uh, in his person as well as in his words, has a role of communicating the character of God and expressing the will of God to us. So you've all met Uriah McAfee, right? Sits back here with the beard. Tammy and I read this series of books um, about a game warden in um, Wyoming. And the game warden has a great friend, uh, and this friend... Um, has the biggest handgun known to man, and um, he lives off the grid. He's a falconer, right? Of course, why not? Uh, and um, his name is Nate Romanowski. When I read the book and I come across Nate Romanowski, I picture Uriah. <laughs> right? In my mind, I'm like, 
yeah, that's him. So Uriah, we just we were talking to him and asked him, you know, he said, what are you reading? We said, well, for fun, we have this series, this fiction series. And a couple weeks ago, he came and goes, I met the guy. <laughs> I said, you're going to meet a guy, and, and you'll know that we think of that guy. We think of you when we read about that guy. And um, that's the beauty of the incarnation, one of the beautiful things about the incarnation. What is God like? Like in our small group, when we did gentle and lowly, what is our God like? We look at Jesus. When he says this in the Word, what does that mean? How is it played out? We see it in Jesus. Uh, the second part, the Word of God as speech by God. God speaks. And, and that comes really in four different forms. The first would be what we call God's decrees. So in Genesis 1, God said, let there be light, and there was light. There was land, there was stars, there was animals, there was seasons. Psalm 33, the word of the Lord that heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. So God's decrees are when God will speak and something comes into existence. Let there be light. There's light. Um, and so that, that definitely is God's word. And sometimes when people say God spoke to me, you know, I always I think about these things like, really? <laughs> Did this happen then? Um, but but God's decrees, uh, Hebrews one. Again, the, there's a lot of carryover between these. But Hebrews one long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, uh, Christ ushers in the last days. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Isn't that amazing to think about? God's word is holding this universe together right now. Put it in place, and it holds it. It sustains it. Um, so sometimes we talk about the word of God as, as the decrees, God's decrees. Uh, God's word as personal address. So there also in Genesis, God then speaks to Adam. Right? God speaks to Adam, and Adam understands it. God speaks to his prophets, his people. He chooses human language to speak to people. Uh, Genesis 2, the Lord commanded the man. God is telling Adam right here, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it, for in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. In Exodus 20, God speaks again as personal address. These first three verses, God spoke. I'm the Lord your God. I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then he gives them the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. God addressing the people. It's so powerful that in verse 18 of chapter 20, it says, Now when the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpets and the mountain was smoking, the people were afraid and they trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us. And we'll listen, but do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Um, God spoke in a personal address to the people uh, in their hearing. Matthew 17, um, the, this is the transfiguration. 
Um, Lord, it's good. Peter says to Jesus, Lord, it's good you're here. If you wish, I'll make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. All right? That was, that was such an awful thing for Peter to say in the midst of what he just experienced um, that, that God breaks in from the heavens and speaks to him. Uh, an, a cloud overshadows them, uh, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. The disciples heard this. They fell on their faces and were terrified. So God sometimes has spoken in the past through personal address. Um, the people understood these, and the words, of course, carried with them authority. When things were important for my kids to understand, when rules were important, when boundaries were important, I would make them repeat it back to me. I would make sure this is what will happen. All right, what will happen, son, if you break this rule? This is what will happen. What will happen, daughter, if you don't do this? This is what will happen. Um, do you understand what that means? Do you understand what I am asking? Um, because the words carried some form of authority. Um, the third way, God's words as speech through human lips. So this would be the, the prophets and the priests. Again, you know why I am suspect when flyers come out. You know, we've got these three prophets visiting from so-and-so, and they're going to be uh, at this building, you know, come and receive uh, come and receive your personal revelation or your personal prophecy or uh, words from these prophets. Um, it's, and again, I, I've not been to any of those things. I, I read it, and I'm like, boy, that sounds scary to me. Um, in, in Reformed circles, in most Protestant circles, we talk about, uh, like, for instance, when I open the Word of God and preach to you, um, I am doing the job of a prophet, but what I am saying is not Scripture, right? So, and, and, I, and I, I try my best to differentiate that. If any of you ever ask me for advice on things, sometimes I say, this is what God's Word says. This is a good idea. <laughs> this is what God's Word says. Uh, I want to distinguish between God's Word says this. Here's what He commands us to do. Here's what is clear from His Word. In my experience in applying God's Word over 35 years or so, I have some good ideas for you. I think this is a good idea. This is a good idea. But it's not God's Word. Um, so God speaks through human lips. In Deuteronomy 18, the people are wondering, what's going to happen when you're gone, Moses? How will we know who to follow and who to trust? And Moses says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It's to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord, your God at Horeb, uh, Deuteronomy 20, on the day of the assembly, when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord or see any great fire lest I die. And the Lord said, you're right. I'll raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I'll put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. The prophets of God carry the authority of the word of God. And when you read the Old Testament, it's just amazing to read the prophets. Like they will, they will tell the people, this is what will happen. They will often give short-term prophecy. When this happens, you'll know that a prophet has been among you, the word says. You'll know that a prophet's been among you. Um, 
Whoever won't listen to my words, I'll require it of him, he says. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know that the word of the Lord is not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word doesn't come to pass or come true, that's a word that the Lord has not spoken. So in Deuteronomy, we had false prophets. Right? Now, it seems really uncool and unkind and arrogant today to question somebody else's prophecy. Um, but we must. Um, the vows you take as members of Three Rivers is to uphold the peace and the purity of the church. Right? If I or Jake or any guest preacher or Sunday school teacher teaches things that are out of accord with the Word of God. It is on you. When the denomination split back in 73, a lot of people blamed the seminaries. They're like, oh, you know, the seminaries allowed these liberals to get in here and this and this and this. But the real fault was the church. The real fault was the church, and I see this among church members all the time. He went to seminary. He did this, so it must be right. It must be true. And how, how wonderful that where we sit as Christians this day that we have God's word, we have it. We have it. We have we have God's word. We have the history to to read and study and and be critical about what is taught. Um, and how many of the books that come out that are predicting 2022 is the return of Christ in the middle of July, right? <laughs> and those guys sell millions of books, and the next year they sell another million books. And it's like no one says, "Wait, wait, you said this. You said God told you this." God didn't tell you this. Um, uh, so God speaks through the human lips of his prophets and priests, Jeremiah. The Lord put out his hand and he touched my mouth, right? Sounds like Isaiah, right? Who's going to speak? The Lord touches his mouth. I put my words in your mouth. The word that came to Jeremiah. What does he tell Jeremiah? Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there these words and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you men of Judah who enter these gates of worship. The Lord, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. So the prophets are used to call people back to repentance, to speak God's truth to them. The, the fourth way is um, the scriptures written in the written form. Um, and uh, we will pick up on that when I get back. Um, but, but yeah, the, the, the fourth way when we talk about God's Word is what we commonly refer to as the Bible. So um, we'll, we'll pick up on that uh, in March. Any, any questions?